More Jaguars, more prep sports, more Gators, more Knolls, more Dogs. The sports world keeps spinning, and the local conversation continues. Now, Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. And a very good Monday evening to you, Jacksonville. It is Hacker After Dark, 1010XL, 92. Point five FM with Dylan Denmark, the hacker Ryan Green with you. Glad you are with us as the 2022-2023 Jaguar season has come to an end. A loss Saturday in the AFC Divisional Playoffs to the Kansas City Chiefs. There's obviously a lot to get into revolving around that game. There's a lot to talk about moving forward. And there's a thought I have about this city and about what the Jaguars did to the city of Jacksonville over the last uh, weeks and months. We will get to all of that. As you can imagine, we're pretty uh, full tonight. Guest-wise, coming up in about 20 minutes, Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com, as we'll look back on the loss in Kansas City, look ahead to the offseason to be. Also, Mark Long of the Associated Press will stop by, as will Dave Campo. It's always Monday night coaching with Campo here on Hacker After Dark. So we got a lot to do. It's going to be primarily all Jaguar related tonight, as you would expect after the season came to an end on Saturday. Every night here on Hacker After Dark, we kick it off with a big deal of the night and Dylan Denmark. Let's do that right now. Time now for the big deal of the night. What's the big deal? What is the big deal? It is a big deal. On Hacker After Dark. What an overwhelming success this season was. And this city on Saturday night, really the vibe I'm getting today, is kind of a sadness, to be honest, which is a change from where we've normally been. Normally... Here on 1010XL in the Jaguar fan base, pretty much every year since 2008, with the exception of 2017, it's a sense of relief. Thank goodness the season is over. It can't get much worse. What can they do to fix this team? Oh, I don't have to watch that anymore. How many times have you said something along those lines with the Jacksonville Jaguars for 13 out of the last 14 years. Because I've said it an awful lot. It's a relief that we no longer have to talk about loss after loss after loss and embarrassment after embarrassment after embarrassment. That's not the case today. Today, certainly on Saturday, it's... Maybe sadness is too strong, but I do sense that. This team was fun, man. This team was enjoyable. This team provided us some of the greatest endings in the history of Jaguar football. I mean, think about it. The game-winning pick six against Dallas by Rayshon Jenkins is one of the best defensive plays in franchise history. The strip sack of Josh Dobbs in the AFC South Championship game in front of a national TV audience on ESPN. 
the third largest comeback in NFL postseason history against the Chargers to win the playoff wildcard game. The ride was incredible. The roller coaster, the five-game losing streak, only to have that ending of a six-game winning streak. You know, there are hats that are made, make something great again, obviously. Well, the Jaguars made football fun again in Duval County. Doug Peterson, Trevor Lawrence made football fun again in Duval County. Now, when you think back to Saturday night, yeah, Christian Kirk's drop. Yeah, Jamal Agnew's fumble. Yeah, Foye Aluakin could have had that interception. It stings. But as time goes on, I'm already in this boat. Saturday night, I was kind of fired up, unhappy. Then I watched, yes, I watched Saturday night. The New York Giants got boat raced by Philadelphia. How would you like to go into the offseason as the Jaguars or as the Giants? Exactly. And then yesterday, I see two contenders, two teams that had Super Bowl aspirations. Buffalo get hammered on their home field, and Dallas lose back-to-back years to the same team. Heartbreak City for the Cowboys, heartbreak city for the Bills. You could argue that here in Jacksonville, we feel much better about our team going into the offseason than they do in Buffalo or Dallas. The loss sucks. And we said that last week. If they lose, yeah, it'll suck. And it does. I'm not trying to put ointment on the wound. I'm not trying to sugarcoat it for you. They lost in a game that they had an opportunity to win. But as the minutes turn into hours, the hours turn into days, and the days turn into weeks, the 2022 football season to me is one of, if not the most enjoyable seasons in the history of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Because it was unexpected. Very similar to 1996. In fact, 1996 and probably 2017 would be the only other two seasons in the conversation. Because in all three years, 96, 17... And here in 22, nothing, and I mean nothing, was expected of this Jaguar football team. And in all three years, the Jaguars opened a lot of eyes. Opened a lot of eyes. If you would have told me, standing back at Episcopal High School during training camp in late July, that the Jacksonville Jaguars would beat the Dallas Cowboys... The Jacksonville Jaguars would beat the Baltimore Ravens. The Jacksonville Jaguars would beat the Los Angeles Chargers twice. The Jaguars would sweep the Tennessee Titans. They would win the AFC South. They would win a playoff game and be in the AFC Divisional Playoff at Arrowhead on January 21st. How on earth can you be all that upset? You can be sad. 
You can be unhappy that it's over. And this is sappy, I know. This is non-hacker, I know. But I said this on Twitter, and I really meant it. Don't be sad that the season is over. Be glad that it happened. Because come free agency and the draft, and come all those great times that we're going to have in training camp and getting ready for 2023, when we're reminiscing about 2022, you're not going to talk about the loss at Arrowhead. You're going to talk about the ETN run to beat the Chargers. You're going to talk about the Josh Allen touchdown to beat the Titans. You're going to talk about Sean Jenkins and the pick six to beat Dallas. The Zay Jones 59-yard touchdown in the Dallas game. Going for two and getting it and beating Baltimore. There are so many more positives to take out of this season than negatives. And I can't wait for April 17th. Now, for those of you that have listened to me over the years, I used to be the guy that would literally count down days. Count down days after the season ended until the next season started. I've kind of gotten a little older, a little wiser. I enjoy my vacations a little more. I'm not necessarily going to do that. But I did take a quick peek at the calendar. It's January 23rd right now. Free agency is March 13th. You got to figure out what you're doing with Evan Ingram, Jawan Taylor, Arden Key, Trey Herndon, Andrew Wingard, all these guys in seven weeks. The Jaguars report back to work on Monday, April the 17th, 12 weeks from today. And there's different ways and a ton of ways to analyze who needs to stay, who needs to go, what do they need to improve on. But today and this week really just needs to be almost, I mean, celebration might be too strong. They didn't get knocked out in the divisional round. But they hired the right coach, and he's not going anywhere. They hired a good staff, and they're not going anywhere. And they have the guy at quarterback. Did you see that video of Trevor Lawrence standing on the ramp at Arrowhead after the game, greeting all his teammates coming off the field? That is a 23-year-old absolute leader and face of a franchise. That'll be the video that might stick with me almost more than anything. He's battered, he's bruised, his jersey is torn, sweat, dirt, blood dripping all over the place. And he stood there and he met every teammate. Slapped him on the helmet, shook their hand. Oh, man, that was uh, that was something. Yeah, the loss stings. I'm not going to say it doesn't. But the season... They made Jaguar football fun again. There is absolutely no question about that. 641-1010 is the phone number, both on the phone line and on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. If you want to get involved either on the phone or via text, you are more 
than welcome to do so. Like we said, we got a big lineup tonight. Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com. He is coming up just around the corner. Also, Mark Long of the Associated Press. And it is Monday Night Coaching with our guy Campo, Dave Campo, former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. It will be Kansas City and Cincinnati in the AFC Championship game. It will be Philadelphia and San Francisco in the NFC Championship game. And look, tip your cap to Patrick Mahomes and tip your cap to Andy Reid. Amidst unbelievable circumstances, they beat a good Jaguar team by having 37-year-old Chad Henney lead Kansas City on a 98-yard touchdown drive. And Patrick Mahomes comes back in the game with a high ankle sprain and plays well in the second half. Patrick Mahomes is a dog, man. He's a goat. You want to talk about Tom Brady? Yeah, probably. But Patrick Mahomes, for the here and now, He might not be the greatest of all time, but he's probably the greatest going today. That's a fascinating matchup, too, because Joe Burrow just zoomed right by Josh Allen yesterday. By the way, for all those that are wondering, the Jaguars' schedule next year includes Patrick Mahomes, includes Josh Allen, and includes Joe Burrow. So the Jaguars' primetime games are coming. National TV games are coming. It's going to be up to the Jaguars to live up to the expectation because I can tell you right now, barring Tennessee doing something crazy and landing an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady at quarterback, which I don't envision happening, I can't imagine any major publication, major website, picking anyone other than Jacksonville to win the AFC South. That will be the expectation in 2023. And with that comes loftier goals. You get Joe Burrow at home next year. You get Patrick Mahomes at home next year. You get San Francisco at home next year. Now there's a chance one of those might get moved to London, but two of those three will be here. You also play Baltimore. You play Pittsburgh. You play Buffalo. It is an amazing schedule next year. It's a tough schedule, too. It's no longer a fourth-place schedule for the Jaguars. It is a first-place schedule, which is what happens when you are champions of your division, which is what the Jaguars are, the defending champions of the AFC South. Your phone calls ahead, your texts ahead, also... Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com. He is straight ahead as well. It is a Monday night on Hacker After Dark, and we'll review the Jaguars season. We'll look ahead to what will be a very interesting offseason. We're with you till 10 o'clock, Jacksonville. We're glad you're with us. 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Now, another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line, brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We're glad you're with us. The Jaguar season has come to an end. A loss to Kansas City in the AFC Divisional Playoff. There is a lot to reflect on, but also there is a lot to look forward to. And with that, 
Let's welcome in a man that's been a big part of what we've done here on 1010XL the last couple of weeks. Certainly appreciate Brian Sexton. I think every Monday over the last month has joined us. Tonight is no different. Brian, once again, thank you for the time, man. How are you? I'm good, Ryan. I'm happy to help. No worries whatsoever. All right, so not the circumstances you and I wanted. A loss to Kansas City ends the season. Brian, we got a lot to talk about, but about the game to begin with, your takeaways. To me, it was very similar to Week 10. Uh, Opportunities there, but just couldn't cash in on them. Yeah, you know... And this football team, and, and we, they're the third youngest in football. We'd call them a young team. Uh, but in terms of playoff experience, they were, they're certainly young. That was, you know, for most of them, their second game in the postseason. And the speed of the game, the intensity of it, the desperation, to use Trevor Lawrence's word, that players play with was, um, well, it was something they didn't handle all that well. You know, I mean, when the moment was there after Pat Mahomes left the game with the injury, and the Jags travel or fill uh, 10 to 7. There's an opportunity there to go down and score and send a message. Okay, here we are. And instead, you had the tripping penalty on Walker Little, and then Little gave up the sack to Frank Clark, and you settled for no points whatsoever. You pin him on the two yard line, and then Chad Henney, who's 37 years old, and I really like Chad, but I mean, we know what Chad is. Well, they couldn't get him off the field. And that was the swing, as far as I was concerned. And, and that was where a young team um, didn't understand what was at stake or didn't understand the magnitude of that second you know, quarter moment there where they had an opportunity to do something dramatic and, and they let it pass them by. You know, Brian, but the way this team has been all year, they're down 27-17, and here we go. Third and 10, Trevor lowers the shoulder to get the first down, five and a half minutes to go, and you think, are they really going to do this again? And then Jamal Agnew trying to make a play and trying to switch arms and fumbles the ball, and that was pretty much that. But again, even after that, they come down and get that field goal for an onside kick attempt. The team never stopped battling, and that's certainly something that I'll at least take away from this season. Well, Doug Peterson talked about that earlier today at at his news conference, and that this was a team that believed, even when they were losing and they were talking about close misses, you know, one score games, they still believed in what the program was. They believed in one another and they believed that they would be able to compete with anybody on any given Sunday, which again, is something we hadn't really seen a lot of from the Jaguars in recent years. Um, That belief level was there till the end. And, you know, look, it's it's a young team. It's a talented team. Uh, When Jamal lost that ball, I mean, again, that's understanding the magnitude of the moment. He's trying to fight for an extra yard and get the play, but you still have more than six minutes left. Hold on. Let's not take crazy chances and put ourselves in a position here. Let's let's make sure we take care of the ball and live to fight another play. You know, those are things that young teams need to learn in the playoffs, and I'm sure they'll be better for it. But this is not a team at any point this season that we didn't feel was getting better, Ryan. I mean, week to week, yeah, all right. Here's a turnover. Yeah, there's a penalty. We're still kind of shooting ourselves in the foot with some of the same mistakes. But week to week, you're like, yeah, but they're close. They're getting there. Well, close doesn't it doesn't have the same definition in the in the playoffs at Arrowhead Stadium against a team that was hosting that divisional game for the fifth straight year and is now hosting the AFC championship game for the fifth straight year. Um, let me just put this in perspective for you. Pat Mahomes, other than the Super Bowl has never played a playoff game outside the confines of Arrowhead Stadium. So, I mean, that's a big dragon you're going to slay. Uh, They just 
weren't up to it. Brian, there's a video, again, Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com. There's a video that made the round Saturday night of Trevor Lawrence meeting almost every teammate that passed by him in the tunnel, slapping them on the helmet, you know, consoling them, if you will. Uh, boy, I thought that was a powerful video, and that's something that will really stick with me as we head into the offseason. You know, Ryan, I'll never forget on our drive time show the week before the season opener in 2020. We did this little whiteboard segment, and my take was tank for Trevor. Oh, the hate I got for that. You're a loser. Loser mentality. Go away. But the reality of it was, was I and, and you and, and anybody that understands football and the game's most important position identified Trevor Lawrence as a talent worthy of losing every game in 2024. Every single one. None of those people that wanted to argue about it then would argue about it now. He is an elite talent, and he is an incredible prospect. The guy who gets it, who understands the right things to say after 14 losses as a rookie when the coach has been fired and it's all falling out my part around him, and he stood there after every game, him, and answered the questions. And then this year when things were going rough, you saw the benefit of that. For him to stand there and to do what he did, that is the elite John Elway, Joe Montana kind of stuff. He was worth losing 15 straight games for because for the next 15 years, he's going to be the guy in this town. He's going to be the guy that takes you back to that level and gets you through it and on towards the Super Bowl. The guy's just – there aren't enough adjectives to describe how good a player – and how good a leader and person he is. But if you were in that locker room today like I was, and a lot of the Jacksonville media was, and you saw the way that he handled himself, both with us and with his teammates, you're like, this guy is unbelievable. He is really good, really good, Ryan, and only getting better. Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com. Brian, I'm going to look ahead to the offseason, but you just talked about Trevor. Now let's talk about Doug. Year number one in the books for Doug Peterson, I mean, what can you say about this guy and the, the impact he had on the organization, on the city? He made football in Jacksonville fun again, and, and I think people are a lot like me, a lot like you, cannot wait for 2023 in large part to what Doug Peterson brought here this year. You know, I told my wife when I walked in this afternoon, she asked how my day was, and I said, it's so nice to work with a professional football coach because even something like checkout day, as messy as that can be with players having a team meeting, individual meetings with their coaches, cleaning out their lockers, getting friends and teammates to sign things, it went so smoothly. I mean, everything ran on time. Everyone from a media perspective got what they needed. It was just a professional football experience. And it was from the first day of minicamp last year, Ryan, I know you know what it's supposed to look like, what it's supposed to smell like, and it did. From the first day to the last, we went from, you know, the college coach and all that college crap. Sorry if you're a college football fan. It doesn't equate. These are men. This is professional football. And the guy before tried to run it like a a rah-rah college program. Well, that doesn't work. Now you bring in a true professional football coach, and the organization goes from being a laughingstock, which it was, to being a professional organization that is now considered to be a rising, ascending 
contending franchise. Well, that's Doug Peterson. That's his stamp. The owner couldn't put his stamp on that. The owner can just hire the right guy. The general manager can't put his stamp on it like Doug can. He's supposed to bring the players in. The head coach is the face of the franchise. He sets the tempo of the franchise. Now, are there other people who could do as good a job? I'm sure there are. But nobody that I know of could do what Doug Peterson did this year with this mess that he had to inherit. If you've read his book, Fearless, and if you haven't, I recommend it highly. I knew when I read the book they had the right guy. And now as I sit here talking to you, I'm even more convinced of it. A professional football coach through and through. You know, I get the sense, too, whether you're a member of the media, a fan here in the city of Jacksonville, look, for the better part of the last 15 years, when the final day was here and the season came to an end, there was a sense of relief. You know, we don't have to deal with that anymore. Today, there's a sense of sadness that the season came to an end. But also with that, Brian, I've had more people text me today asking when the offseason program begins, when season tickets. April 17th. Yeah, exactly. When season tickets go on sale. You know, the excitement that we're going to have for the next six and a half months leading in to the preseason next year, I think is going to be unlike anything we have seen in quite some time. You know, for my friends in the front office who who sell, whether it's tickets or advertisements or signs or, you know, they have worked their butts off for years, you know, selling against the wind with a losing team. Good for them. You know, good for the organization to be able to have something that's easy to sell at this point. And, I, you know, Ryan, I'm not going to say that it's like turning on the order, the fax machine and taking orders. Um, but I'm telling you, it, the whole experience of the franchise gets better from a front office perspective, from a fan's perspective. You know, now you're unleashing this organization to go out and create a better game day experience. Why? Well, because they're not so focused on selling every last ticket and trying to get there. Um, I just, this whole thing lifts the franchise up and makes everything around it better. And it, I guess it doesn't have to be that way. I just have a lot of confidence in what Trent Bulky and Doug Peterson will do uh, on the field to make everything off the field better. I, I'm excited to get out to the Rotary Clubs and to the, Saturday night galas that I'll be at. And instead of having to work the crowd to get people, you know, hey, maybe there is something to be excited about. I I won't have to say a word. The questions will come. I'll just start answering them. It'll be so much easier for me um, and a whole lot more fun, too. A couple more for Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com. April 17th, 12 weeks from today. Uh, the free agents to be. Look, we don't know what the future holds, but based on what Doug Peterson said today, based on what the individual players said today, uh, the big ones referring to Jawan Taylor, Evan Ingram, Arden Key, it appears the Jaguars would like those three guys to be in the future plans, and we'll have to see how the finances play themselves out. Yeah, as they sit right now, they're roughly $20 million over the cap, but 13.5 of that's coming off when you let Shaq Griffin go. Um, so, you know, they'll, they'll, here's what we know. The television money kicks in after 2023, right? So not this season, but next season, it takes a big jump forward. And the Jaguars are in incredible cap shape from 2024 forward. They're tight against it this year because they were smart, because they were fiscally responsible and they claimed the cash they paid in the year that they paid it. And so they didn't push money out like people do with credit cards they are in a great space. That being said, they have the flexibility to go in there now and push some money out to keep players they want to keep. 
I know, Ed, look, I love Evan Ingram. As a person and as a player, he's phenomenal. He wants to be here. I think they'll get something done. I want Juwan Taylor back. I want him back at right tackle, which for me is saying something because I was beating the drum the last year that he's a guy who could move inside, and I think an all-pro guard. Um, but, man, did he play so well at tackle. And you just can't let good players go. These are guys that are Jaguars. These are guys that you've developed. Now, as he's starting to find his stride, you're going to let him go? Uh, I don't think so. No way. You got two more years with Walker Little on his rookie contract. I'm going to find a way to make sure I make that one happen. And I think Doug made it pretty clear that Juwan Taylor is high on his priority list. What is Calvin Ridley, Brian, going to add to this team, assuming he's 75% or more the player he was before he left? You know, he's that guy who grabs everyone's attention. Um, that alpha receiver that safeties have to know, okay, the coverage is rolling this way because there aren't many corners as big as he is. And he's a guy that will impose his will down the field. I had somebody tell me that when he was on in his last season, full season of playing, which is what, 19? Um, before the, the suspension, maybe it was 20, uh, that he was top three in terms of separation. Right. With his size, with his length, with his leaping ability, he's a guy that is open even when it doesn't appear that he's open, which means that someone's got to run with him. Someone's got to be over the top and that'll open up things underneath. Zay Jones has the speed. So you're going to have to have a corner on him. You're going to get mismatches with guys like Ingram and Kirk. It What it will do is it will supercharge the passing game. It will take it from being good with the potential to be better and turn it into a great passing offense. And I'm, I say great like that so confidently because of my, you know, what I saw this year from the quarterback, but also the head coach and, and, and the offensive system, the brain trust of Press Taylor, Jim Bob Cooter, and Mike McCoy. I, look, they'll dial this thing in and with a guy like Ridley. And again, we hope, you know, to hear something about him shortly after the Super Bowl, you know, mid-February, he can apply for reinstatement. Um, you know, the word from people who are around him is that he's been working out, he's in great shape. I think he puts his feet on the ground with something to prove with a football team that has something to prove. Um, I, 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 the more I look at it, I think that was a really shrewd move by Trent Bonke. Yeah, the idea of Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, and Travis Etienne with Trevor Lawrence. Oh, boy, that could be something. Final moments, Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com. Brian, we'll have you on this offseason, certainly, but when we all reconvene, in July, the opening of training camp, and we're standing out there and we're reminiscing about the 2022 season. What are the one or two things that you'll remember most? I'm going to remember the, the way that the switch flipped at the Raiders game, right? After the team came back from London 2-6, and they fell down 17 to nothing, and the quarterback, all of a sudden, it was if somebody said, hey, you know, you're supposed to be the star here. Go out and show us. And he battled them back from down 17 nothing. I think it was 17-10 at the half. They took the lead. They never, never even looked back and went on to win that game convincingly. Uh, we knew Kansas City was going to be tough. You know, they come back and they do the exact same thing to the Ravens. And then, you know, we knew that the Lions was going to be tough. They come back and do the exact same thing to the Titans and the exact same thing to the Cowboys. It, it was as if the switch flipped and it was like, okay, we can do this. Now let's go and do it. Um, it was a fun season to to watch. And, and look, what made it fun? Well, the agony of those five losses made every win down the stretch 
that much more intense. So, you know, I mean, it's the yin and the yang, right? The light and the dark, you need both to be able to compare and contrast. Those losses helped make those wins that much sweeter. Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com. Brian, again, appreciate you the last four weeks and really a lot before that. You've joined us a lot this year, my friend. Thank you. We will certainly talk as developments warrant with the team, and it will not be long until off-season workouts commence, and we'll do this thing all over again. Thank you very much. Ryan, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Thank you to Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com. Again, he's been with us a lot this year, I think every Monday over the last four or five weeks. And, uh, yeah, look, there's a lot of excitement with Calvin Ridley coming in. Look, there are free agents, and that's something I want to get into. We'll certainly get into that this week. I mean, we know Evan Ingram is a free agent. Jawan Taylor is a free agent. Arden Key, other um, important guys, don't get me wrong. You know, Dan Arnold, Chris Manhurts, Trey Herndon, Andrew Wingard, Adam Gotzdis, Corey Peters. There's going to be decisions that need to be made. Dewan Smoot as well. How much is that complicated by the knee or the Achilles injury with Smoot? So it's not going to be the same team. That's what's unfortunate is some of these guys are going to move on and some guys will come in. The Jaguars won't be as active in free agency. I think the priority this year is to keep your own guys, primarily Ingram, And you see what you can do about Jawan Taylor. That's going to be tough, though, against the cap. Uh, Look, you're $23 million over. I'm going to get either over the cap or spot track one of these guys on, hopefully this week or certainly next week, and we're going to talk about where the Jaguars are. But they are projected right now about $23 million over the cap. You save $13 million of that by simply cutting Shaq Griffin. So Griffin's gone. That gets you to $10 million over the cap. And then you got some decisions that need to be made with Roy Robertson Harris, potentially a, a Jamal Agnew. And there's plenty of time to talk about that. But for the here and now, the Jaguars had a great run and help is on the way in the form of a guy like Calvin Ridley. Ridley, when he left in October of 2021, was thought to be one of the top 15 receivers in football. He'll be 28 when the season starts. He'll be 29 during the year, you're not going to get a lot of years out of him, but if you get a solid three or four years out of Calvin Ridley, it's a great trade that Trent Baalke made. Like Brian Sexton said, it's a shrewd move that not many people noticed outside of Jacksonville at the trade deadline last year, but it'll get more and more attention, particularly when Ridley gets reinstated. Also, how about this little nugget from NBC Sports PR? I don't know if you guys saw this earlier today. The Jaguars and the Chiefs on NBC and Peacock is the most watched Saturday afternoon NFL divisional playoff since at least 2015. Over 34 million viewers tuned in to watch the Jaguars and the Kansas City Chiefs. That's awesome. Again, Kansas City comes to Jacksonville next year. Assuming that game is not the one moved to London, I would anticipate Mahomes versus Lawrence next year will either be a Sunday nighter or a Monday nighter. And probably when Joe Burrow comes here to play Trevor Lawrence, you would have to assume that is a prime target for a prime time game as well. With Dylan Denmark, the Hacker Ryan Green with you, a Monday night edition 
of Hacker After Dark. We're glad you're with us. Let's talk about the other playoff games this week. Also look at the Jaguars' loss to Kansas City. We still got Mark Long of the Associated Press. He's coming up at the top of the 9 o'clock hour. And Dave Campo, Monday night, coaching with Campo. That's all still to come as we roll on till 10 o'clock here on Hacker After Dark. It's 1010XL and 92.5 FM. It does, you know, but there's there's some factors that, that go into that, you know, and, and um, you know, injuries and all that play a big part in our, our success, you know, throughout the, the year. But, yeah, I mean, you feel like your window of opportunities now strike by the iron's hot, so to speak, and and uh, we've got to, we've got to, you know, we've got to take advantage of that. With the guys we have, you know, with the free agent process, obviously the draft process coming up and just – we got to hit on all those benchmarks and, and uh, you know, continue to improve the team. The thoughts of Jaguar head coach Doug Peterson. He addressed the media for the final time today. He'll be back April the 17th. That is when the offseason program will begin for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I believe that is 12 weeks from today. It is Hacker After Dark on a Monday night here on 1010XL and 92 Point five FM. Doug Peterson talking there about a young football team. Does he think because this team had so much success this year and is as young as they are, is that a sign they're going to be good for quite some time? Look, they're going to be good for quite some time as long as Trevor Lawrence is healthy and the quarterback. I mean, that's the bottom line. They have Trevor Lawrence. Just like Cincinnati's going to be good because they have Joe Burrow. Just like Kansas City is going to be good because of Mahomes and Buffalo is going to be good because of Josh Allen and the Chargers because of Justin Herbert and on and on and on. I mean, the Jaguars are in that conversation because of Trevor Lawrence. And as long as he's healthy and as long as he's here, good times are going to be had in Duval County, which, you know, does make you wonder who would be a bigger priority for the Jaguars to re-sign. Evan Ingram at tight end or Jawan Taylor along the offensive line. Um, Taylor's a little younger than Evan Ingram. Ingram's been in the league, what, six years? Taylor only four. Are you confident that Cam Robinson's coming back 100%? Or are you just going to swing Walker Little out to right tackle? Or if you think you have a good thing going... You try to re-sign Jawan Taylor, move Walker Little inside. If you truly want your best five linemen out there, would you consider Cam Robinson left tackle, Walker Little left guard, Luke Fortner at center with Brandon Sheriff at right guard, and a re-sign Jawan Taylor at right tackle? That would be intriguing to me. The Jaguars pick 24th in the draft. Look, we're going to have a lot of time to talk about that, but off the top of my head, I'm thinking corner, um, potentially tight end, depending on what happens with Evan Ingram. Do you need another rush guy? Or will the Jaguars maybe change things up? Do the Jaguars change up to a more traditional 4-3, where then Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen can have their hand on the ground and that way you have a Lewican at middle linebacker, and on either side of him, you could put Devin Lloyd and potentially Chad Muma. 
There are a lot of interesting things that could happen on the defensive side of the ball this offseason. Mike Caldwell will be back at coordinator. I think he should be back. I thought he was good. I thought Press Taylor and Mike McCoy and Jim Bob Cooter on the offensive side of the ball. I got no problems with the staff, and that's going to be great for Trevor. I mean, do you realize going back to Clemson, his final year at Clemson, he's gone from Dabo Sweeney to Urban Meyer to Doug Peterson in less than 24 months. Now he's going to finally have some consistency at head coach. He's going to finally have some consistency at offensive coordinator, at quarterback coach. It's going to be nice. It's going to be nice defensively. Think of a guy like Josh Allen. He's gone from Doug Marone to Urban Meyer to Doug Peterson. Same thing at defensive coordinator. Three different guys. Now that defense will finally have some consistency for the first time in three-plus years. Doug Peterson also talking to the media today. I thought this was a very interesting question and answer. Listen to how Doug Peterson answers this question. He was asked if the season can be a success without winning the Super Bowl. I think for us this season, I think there is a sense of accomplishment for, you know, everything this team has gone through over the last year and a half to go from, you know, one of the worst teams record-wise a year ago to winning a playoff game this year. There is a sense of accomplishment, you know, and it's just a credit to these guys, you know, to have the – it all starts in the off season, and it starts with the amount of people that we had and the players that we had here in the off season to build the foundation, to, you know, start there, and then to just keep building upon that you know, it wasn't a pretty season by any means. I mean, we had we had that stretch in there. It was pretty rough on us. But every guy in there right now, they all had a belief that we could we could accomplish our goals, you know, and they never wavered from that. And it's a credit to them to kind of stick into it. You know, it is something to, to really build upon, you know, with the accomplishments that we, uh, we did this year. Absolutely this season was a success. It's not even close. If there's any Jaguar fan listening right now that says the season was not a success because they didn't win the Super Bowl, I'm sorry. I love you, and thanks for listening, but you're nuts. An overwhelming success. You went from one win in 2020 to three wins in 2021. Let me do my Wolfson math there. That's four wins in two years, and you took that to 10 wins this season, including beating Justin Herbert in the playoffs? Yes. Gigantic check mark. This season was a huge success here in Jacksonville. Finally, today was the day lockers were cleaned out. Players said their goodbyes to each other. The players that will be here will all reconvene on April 17th for the offseason program. When it begins, Doug Peterson was asked the message he gave his football team today heading into the offseason. It's important how we how we message the team in the offseason. Obviously, our rookies, the Trayvon Walkers, and, and, you know, our rookie class, the guys, first-time players, they finally get an offseason, you know, um, to, to kind of relax and get away and then and then begin their training process again. So it'll be really good for them this offseason. And then, you know, for everybody else that's kind of been through, you know, this season, there's some veteran players that have never been to the postseason. You know, there's there's even some some second and third year guys that have never been to the postseason. So how they handle these next couple of months is is critical to their performance, their success. 
and then when we start the off-season program, you know, mid-April again, you know, just where they are, you know, mentally with starting another season. But it's, it's truly a reset, you know, at this point. Yeah, you take a deep breath, go on a little vacation, enjoy yourself, and you're back at it. April 17th, when the off-season program commences, the team will look different. Jaguars have, I believe, 13 unrestricted free agents. Now, the draft class won't even be here yet. Of course, the draft is in late April, so the team will show up for off-season workouts prior to the draft happening. We'll start getting in to some more draft talk normally by January 23rd. I've had a dozen draft guys on. We're kind of late to the party now because the team was actually good for a change. So we got some catching up to do. So we'll start getting some draft guys on this week. But the Jaguars are picking 24th. They have five picks in the top 127. They got one pick in the first round, one pick in the second round, one pick in the third round, and two picks in the fourth round. So five picks in the top 127. I believe they have two sixth-round picks as well as a seventh-round selection. Currently, uh, no fifth-round picks. But that's for another day. Right now, we're talking about the way it ended in Kansas City and what to look forward to over the next days and weeks to come. Mark Long of the Associated Press. Always enjoy the conversation with Mark. He'll tell you what he thinks. There is no question about that. He is next with Dylan Denmark. The Hacker Ryan Green with you. It's halftime on Hacker After Dark, Jacksonville. One hour down, one hour to go. A reminder, we're streaming as we always do for your viewing pleasure. On YouTube, just search 1010XL. You'll see Hacker After Dark on YouTube till 10 o'clock tonight. Likewise, on Twitter, at 1010XL on Twitter, you'll see the show there until 10 o'clock this evening. Mark Long of the Associated Press, next, here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Now. Hello. Another great guest on the Farrah and Farrah phone line. Brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We're glad you're with us. The Jaguar season has come to an end. A loss to Kansas City in the AFC Divisional Playoff. Let's take a look back and certainly take a look ahead at what's to come. It'll be a very interesting offseason here in Jacksonville. Let's do that with Mark Long of the Associated Press. He's always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL. Mark, how we doing? I'm doing well, Hacker. Thanks for having me. Hey, Mark, always appreciate the time, man. I know you're busy. You know you were over here with uh, Doug Peterson, and as the players were leaving earlier today, and, uh, boy, you go back to Saturday, Mark, very similar to the regular season game, man. There were chances for the Jaguars. There were certainly opportunities there, and, uh, they just were not able to cash in on those opportunities. Yeah, obviously when you're playing on the road and you're playing a team, the quality of somebody like Kansas City, your margin for error is small. And I don't care who you are. You know, I don't care if you're the Pats or the Bengals or the Bills or the Jags. You have a small margin for error going on the road in the postseason against a team like that that's been there, done that, very experienced. And, you know, the Jags – did exactly what you couldn't do that you know they they got off to a little bit of a slow start even though it was seven seven dug themselves a little bit of a hole later and you know and down the stretch turned the ball over twice and that's that's the real those were killers you a 98 yard drive to chad henney 
that should have been stopped by an interception or, or at least a third down play. And then, uh, you know, the Jamal Agnew fumble is just crushing. So those are the plays that you had to have go your way to come out with a win. And really, you probably were gifted a little bit with the Patrick Mahomes injury. That one certainly went your way. And then when you get his backup on the field, Chad Henney, a guy we all know pretty well, and you know, you can't let the backup come in in cold like that, drive the team 98 yards, you know? And so those are the kind of things that'll, that'll doom anybody. And so, you know, you got to learn from them, got to move on. And uh, I think it'll be an, a learning experience for everybody and certainly something they'll build on moving forward. You know, Mark, it's interesting. I mean, you could argue really, what, 13 out of the last 14 years when the season's come to an end, it was almost a sigh of relief, right, for the players, the fans, the media, everybody involved. There's such a sense of, I would almost call it sadness, that the season has come to an end because Jaguar football was was made fun again, in large part due to Doug Peterson. I mean, can you put into words what Doug Peterson has meant to this organization this year? I mean, he's meant everything. He is the right guy at the right time. They were lucky to get him. It looked like they were headed in a different direction, and they ended up doubling back to Doug, and, and rightfully so. And I don't even think Shad Khan and Trent Baalke, I mean, they got it right, but I don't know that they even they knew how right they had it when they landed Doug Peterson. He was a guy who came in and understood right away that this is the team that had gotten burned last year from urban Meyer and they needed to heal and then they got to work and you know, he didn't grind them like some coaches in the past have, but he worked them hard and then he eased up when he needed to, after he felt like all the hard work was in and then he eased up a little bit down the stretch. And, you know, we saw that in OTAs. We saw it again in training camp, uh, but he got, a, got a lot out of them. He got them ready and then got a lot out of them and then watched them grow. And that was really his, probably his number one role he kind of sat back had the perfect demeanor for a young team in terms of hey i understand they're going to make mistakes we're going to grow week to week things aren't going to go right but i'm going to be the same guy win lose or draw and when they went zero and five in october you know everybody might have been panicking when they're two and six or then three and seven but not doug peterson he's like listen this is going to be a good team we're heading in the right direction. We've got these, you know, we just got to f- learn how to win. And to the team's credit, probably, you know, a lot of veteran leadership, a lot of young guys kind of coming of age, they figured it out and um, really provided some dynamic wins down the stretch, probably a little more, uh, a little more suspense than fans and players really wanted. But uh, when you sit back and look at it, eight wins as underdogs this season tied a modern NFL record, those huge comebacks against uh, the Raiders, the Cowboys, Tennessee, even, and then certainly the dramatic one against the Chargers. I mean, it really was a little bit of a Cinderella storybook season for these Jags. And then they go in and nobody's giving them a chance against Kansas city. And they go in and, and I think they had a pretty admirable showing. So I think if anything, the result of this season is they are poised to at least be a factor moving forward. Yeah, if you were a season ticket holder here in Jacksonville, you got your money's worth here over the last six weeks. There is no question about that. Mark Long of the Associated Press. 
Mark, I'm sure you've seen the video, Trevor Lawrence after the game in the tunnel greeting every teammate as they were coming off the field. I mean, the kid's 23 and doing that. And I think that'll be the lasting video and image I'll have going into the offseason. And uh, the excitement I think that the Jaguar fans need to have for who they have at quarterback is absolutely unbelievable with the type of leadership that that showed, what he could potentially become moving forward. Exciting times ahead here in Duval County. Yeah, he's everything you wanted. He is the generational quarterback. He's he's a few years behind Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow and even Justin Herbert, but he's what you think, and even Josh Allen for that matter, but he's he's what those guys are he's going to be, or at least it looks like that's what he's going to be. And, you know, great leader, great dude, great guy on and off the field. He's exactly what you want to be the face of your franchise. We've had faces of franchises here before. And, you know, some of them were the guy you wanted for 10 years. Some of them were probably a little bit of a questionable pick. So he's not, you know, and he's only going to get better. And I think if you look at it, Hacker, from a standpoint of the coach and the GM looked at Trevor Lawrence going into this year and said, not only is he a rookie, they called him a rookie minus. So they really looked at him as being behind his rookie year because of what happened last year and the way that unfolded and really not only not progress, but regression made in his first year. And we all looked back at that indie game, the season finale and thought, okay, this is the, that's the game, you know, that's the one to build on. But I think they looked at him and said, okay, now the body of work was, he still needed an overhaul. So they went back to the basics, overhauled this kid, and had really pretty low expectations. I don't think the expectations on Trevor were very high, especially when you looked at, you know, how he played during some early season games. But, I, you know, uh, he really caught fire, came around. And here's the crazy part. As well as he played, as you know, as good as he played against the Chargers and some other games on the stretch, he's got a ton of room for improvement. Uh, Doug was saying today, Doug Peterson was saying today that it's really just some of the real basic throws and catches are where they've got to get better. They've just got to get better. I'm not talking about the deep balls or the contested catches or, you know, the ones on third and long, whatever, some of the placement. It's really just, you know, the one, the easy ones to the flat, the easy ones over the middle. Some of those that they're missing on time and time again, everybody knows what I'm talking about. But if you've watched the team play, that's where he, he wants to see the most growth in Trevor Lawrence next year, year three, but really is year two. So, and Doug said it today, you know, most guys make their biggest jump between year one and year two. And that's where Trevor is. He's, he's between year one and year two, at least when you're talking about with that same staff, the same offense, some continuity that he hasn't had in a few years now. Yeah. I mean, if you go back to his final year at Clemson, he's had three different head coaches and three different coordinators his last three football seasons and now finally he'll have the same coach the same coordinator the same group around him for two consecutive years a couple more for Mark Long of the Associated Press all right uh boy free agency is going to be here in the blink of an eye about six weeks away I know offseason workout program is in 12 weeks on April 17th Mark when the Jaguars come back let me throw a couple of names at you is Evan Ingram still a Jacksonville Jaguar Sure. I think either either they work out a long-term deal or they tag him. I think that's first and foremost their priority is to keep Evan Ingram in the fold, and they'll do it by either 
a long-term contract. And if they can't reach sides on the long-term contract, they'll franchise, use the franchise tag on Evan Ingram and move forward and hope to maybe sign him a long-term deal like they did Cam Robinson after tagging him. But I don't think there's any question they're not going to let Evan Ingram get to free agency. And they'd be stupid, really, to let him get there. And he's the best pass-catching tight end we've seen in Jacksonville in franchise history. And he's still really young, still an ascending player. And they've got to keep him in the fold. I know you were at the Doug Peterson press conference earlier today. My ears perked up a little bit when the question about Jawan Taylor came up and how vital is the offensive line. And Doug goes, well, how much do you like Trevor? <laughs> um, boy, you know, I, I was thinking Jawan Taylor might be out the door. I don't know. After I heard that, is Jawan Taylor more of a priority than maybe some of us thought? Yeah, I would put him at, at number two on the, on my list. I would have, I have Evan Ingram number one and I'd have Jawan Taylor number two. And the reason I say that is obviously he's a, he had a really good, good season, borderline great season for this team still again a young guy a guy you drafted you know those are the guys you want to see get second contracts the guys you drafted the guys you've invested in you start kicking those guys to the curb and you're no better than the previous regimes re-sign the guys you drafted the guys you've put four years into make those guys a priority and i do think juan taylor's a priority now what's the cost that's the question and everybody wants to say, well, you know, we can just slide in Walker Little at left t- or right tackle. Cam will be back at left tackle. Well, that's fine. What happens if Cam has a setback? Okay, then what? Uh, what happens if Walker Little gets hurt? Then what? How about maybe you, mo- you make Walker Little your left guard and see how Walker Little, Cam Robinson, and Jawan Taylor play? This franchise got to get got to stop thinking about i'm talking about the fan base stop getting rid of good players juan taylor's a very good player played great this year let's see you know and if you think that maybe it was a contract year and he was playing for money fine good that's probably some truth to that but i want to actually believe that it was the scheme and the offensive line coach rosher might have been a better fit for juan taylor than the previous regime and that's really what i believe is the case here that you got an O-line coach in there who really gelled well with Juwan Taylor and his best football's ahead of him. So I would say the challenge will be to the Jags is try to keep Juwan Taylor and Walker Little would be a bonus. I mean, worst case scenario, Walker Little is another really high-quality swing tackle in his third year who, you know, is in case of emergency, you know, break glass, you throw in Walker Little and you don't skip a beat. That's the worst case scenario. Best case scenario is, he makes your O-line better by playing left guard or certainly just, just adding in depth. Final moments here with Mark Long of the Associated Press. I guess of the other guys, Arden Key would come to mind as maybe the third biggest priority. But that goes into what will they do defensively? And I've heard all sorts of things in the last 48 hours. How can you get Muma and Lloyd on the field together? Do they need to go to a conventional 4-3 because Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen are better as ends instead of outside linebackers dropping in coverage. All that stuff will be figured out. But Mark Long, in your opinion, what do they need to do on defense in that front seven moving forward? I don't need that. I don't think they need really need to do a ton. I mean, you know, you look at what they did against the Chiefs. You look at what they did down the stretch in the second half of games. You know, I think they figured some things out. I don't know that I would go in there and make wholesale changes. I know what you're talking about, but 
I, I think it's possible that Trayvon Walker's best position is as a three technique. And so maybe you let Roy Robertson Harris walk at, you know, 10 million, you let him walk and you take that money and you keep Juwan Taylor, you take that money and maybe you keep Arden Key and Dwan Smoot. Uh, but that I, I'm not so sure what they're going to do on defense. Obviously Shaquille Griffin's gone. That's going to save you, I think $14 million. I would be surprised if they bring back uh, Jamal Agnew only because you can't pay your number four receiver $5 million and he's close to $5 million against the cap. I think that's bad business. And you're upgrading, you think you're upgrading your offensive core there with Calvin Ridley. So you're going to probably take a downgrade at four and five from Jamal Agnew. Go find a, a return guy somewhere else. Go draft one or find a return guy on the street a little bit cheaper. But if you made those three moves that I just said, if you did Shaq Griffin, Roy Robertson Harris, and Jamal Agnew, you probably then immediately have enough money to sign your draft class, bring back Evan Ingram, and bring back Jawan Taylor. Everything else, you know, works out. I don't know if you can do that and get Arden Key and or Smoot, but uh, maybe there's some other guys in there that, you know, I don't see as being high value, high money guys. But, uh, you know, if you do enough of those middling guys, maybe you can get enough money to bring somebody else back. Mark, final thought. Obviously, we'll we'll talk this offseason as developments warrant down there. But when we're all convening for training camp, and it's the opening day of training camp 2023, and we look back on the 2022 season, what will be one or two of your, I guess, fondest memories of this team? Well, I think number one is the fight. I mean, this this team was a, was never laid down, never gave up, never was woe is me. Uh, they really, really set the bar high in that regard that no matter what happens, no matter what kind of hole they dig for themselves, they can, they feel like they can get out of it. And when you have talent around Trevor Lawrence, that's always going to be the case. When you got a defense that uh, is able to get some takeaways, that's going to be the case. you got a pretty good kicker, a really good punter, maybe even borderline great punter, the best punter we've seen here in Jacksonville. Uh, you've got pieces. You, you've got all the pieces in place. Now, can you improve here and there? No doubt about it. But to me, that's the resiliency of this team is going to be number one. Two is the locker room. I've been doing this 25 years, Hacker. You've been doing it almost as long, maybe as long. And I've been 19 years here in Jacksonville. I've never seen a locker room like this one uh, in terms of a cohesiveness, not having bad guys, not having disgruntled guys. It is a rarity. We don't see it very often. Um, and, you know, I hope they'll be able to keep that going. I think they will. They don't have a lot of egos in that locker room. So that's number two. And then the head coach. I mean, you know, it's, just, it's very rare if you've seen that head coach quarterback cohesion that, you, you, you know, you read about it, you see it on other teams. We haven't seen it here in Jacksonville. Are you kidding me? David Garrard, Blaine Gabbert. Uh, I mean, people, people inside the building were trying to run those guys out of town. Uh, obviously Bortles, Minshew, Foles, I mean, all of those guys. We haven't seen that here. And so for the first time in 19 years, we really, really see uh, quarterback and GM, quarterback, GM, quarterback cohesion, and I think it ought to be celebrated. Mark Long of the Associated Press. Mark, always appreciate the time, man. Have a great offseason. Once free agency gets here, the draft, we'll certainly have you back on to get your thoughts on how the offseason's going. But thank you, my friend. We'll talk soon. No problem. Thanks for having me, Hacker. There you go. Mark Long of the Associated Press, always kind enough to join us here 
on 1010XL and Hacker After Dark. Monday night edition of Hacker After Dark. It would not be Monday without a little Monday night coaching with Campo. My man Dave Campo has joined me all year, every Monday, to review the Jaguar game and preview the next Jaguar game. Unfortunately, there's no game to preview now, but we will look back on the 2022 season. We'll look ahead to the offseason. And what about the coaches? What is their world like in the coming days and weeks as they prepare for the draft and for free agency? We'll talk to a guy that did it. Dave Campo, former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, he's next. Hacker After Dark on a Monday with Dylan Denmark. The Hacker Ryan Green with you here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville, we are glad you are with us. The Jaguar season has come to an end in the AFC Divisional Playoff. It'll be Kansas City and Cincinnati for the AFC Championship on the NFC side. It'll be Philadelphia and San Francisco for the NFC Championship. Let's talk about all of it with our guy Dave Campo, former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, always kind enough to join us here on Monday evenings on Hacker After Dark. Coach, how we doing? Uh, not so hot. You know, that was a tough pill to swallow uh, up in up in Kansas City. Uh, you know, it was one of those games where you you literally – can pick out three or four plays that make the difference in the game. And, you know, they didn't go our way. They went their way. So, you know, it's uh, a great season, but uh, the final destination was not great. Coach, there's going to be time to reflect, and you and I will do that in the coming weeks, and certainly, um, you know, what lies ahead. And we'll do a little bit of that tonight. But as far as the game goes, uh, look, I thought the Jaguars battled. I thought – you know, the Jaguars uh, played well. They just, it was like game number one at Kansas City, Coach. They had opportunities, and they just did not take advantage of those opportunities. Yeah, really, the second half was uh, the one that, that, that uh, you know, even though they jumped out to a pretty good lead in the first half, and, and the, the long run when uh, Henny was at quarterback on that 98-yard drive, you know, they just they just made a mistake, and, and that's what happens you know, when you, when you get a long run, but in the second half, the defense, you know, got uh, six and out, six and out the first two drives and the offense did not take advantage of that, you know, and that, that really hurt. And they busted a protection, you know, which, which, uh, you know, they did two or three times in the second half that really hurt them. The, the third drives and the fourth drives, that one, those were, uh, you know, they score, we score, and then we had a chance to get back within three and the fumble going in. You know, that was obviously critical. The final one for Jacksonville, they busted a protection. The guy was clean on Trevor. He tried to throw it up over the top on the to uh, on the on the long one, and the kid made a great play, great interception. So you, you know, you can narrow it down to about four plays. Uh, we just didn't execute those four plays. But I, our team could have beaten that football team on Saturday. Coach, uh, you know, look, we're going to primarily talk about the Jaguars here, but we'd be remiss if we didn't tip our cap to Andy Reid and to Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Andy Reid brings Chad Henney in cold off the bench, and they go 98 yards for the score. 
And then Patrick Mahomes, it's been found out that he did indeed have a high ankle sprain. And for him to come back in the game and perform the way he did, you got to tip your cap to the guy. Well, that's championship medal. You know, that's that's what you you do. And, of course, he was uh, – Mahomes was really – first of all, Mahomes was really uh, frustrated, you know, because he didn't want to come out. But uh, I thought that was a good decision by Andy Reid and the trainers to get him in, get him checked out. Uh, you know, his biggest problem is going to be this week because, you know, you get taped up, you get a little shot maybe, and you get the adrenaline going, big ball game. You know, you make it through the game. But those high ankle sprains don't clear up very easily. Uh, so this week is going to be critical for him. On Andy Reid, you know, the guy made some some calls that, that, you know, you have to really tip your hat to him. He's, a, he's an outstanding uh, head coach. And, you know, there's a reason they've been to a five straight uh, AFC championships. It is Monday night coaching with Campo. Our guy Dave Campo here with us on Hacker After Dark. Coach, your assessment of the way Trevor Lawrence played on Saturday night? I thought Trevor played pretty good. I mean, you know, he he did what he needed to do. A couple of the situations where, you know, the, the throw wasn't quite there. There was a lot of pressure on him. I, I, I was a little disappointed in Fortner and uh, Sheriff, you know, on a couple of plays that, that really made a difference in the football game. But I thought he kept his poise. It was another situation where, you know, in the second half, he drove them down, and and they 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 score on the on the TD run by uh, by uh, uh, number one, and and then he he got him down into position before the fumble. So you got to say he basically did what he had been doing the last six or seven games. And look, there were opportunities. We talk about them. Christian Kirk has been great this year. Jamal Agnew has been phenomenal this year. But clearly, the Kirk drop on the 50-yard bomb, it would have been a tough catch, but it's one you got to make. And Agnew's fumble are two plays that I think the Jaguars will be thinking about probably for the next three months till they come back for uh, off-season workouts. Well, that's what uh, Dave Campo and most of the fans are going to be thinking about as well because – there were two critical plays, although they did score points on the one after Kirk dropped that one, I believe. I think they got a, a field goal. But uh, Christian didn't, you know, had some good plays, but, you know, he slipped twice in that second half, uh, the second drive, where they tried to hit the corner route, which would have been a first down, and it was just off his hands. He might have even made that catch, but he slipped twice, which destroyed the the timing of the route. So, you know, it was kind of a mixed bag for him during the game. Coach, as we start to put a bow on this season and, and look ahead to what's going to be a very interesting off season, take us through the life of the coaching staff over the next couple of weeks. The players cleaned out their lockers earlier today. Doug Peterson met the media earlier today for kind of the final press conference of the year. What happens now? Do the coaches get a couple of weeks off and then it's all full steam ahead to the senior bowl and the combine. What's the process now? Well, first of all, it will depend on, on, you know, uh, Doug Peterson, I, you know, knowing his mentality, the way they have fought through this season, I would say that they probably have off until the super bowl. Uh, you know, that would be my thought. 
you know, and I may be wrong there. They may be coming in for some cleanup stuff, this or that. But, uh, you know, to me, uh, you got to hand it to that staff, the way they hung in there, you know, down the stretch along with the players. And so that'll be that. And when they get back in, it'll be full blast on, first of all, on free agency. They'll be looking, you know, the scouts have all looked at it. They have a pro personnel department that is that is graded probably every player in, in uh, the NFL. They'll be looking at the guys that are available. They'll be looking at their money to see where they're at there. But it'll be the, the coaches kind of, uh, you know, looking at guys. Uh, they'll have a final uh, meeting about, uh, you know, each position, what their needs are, where they come from. But it'll be film grading. And then once that's done, then it's draft for half of the day and then watching the cut-ups and looking at what they did during the season for the other half of the day right up until, you know, the draft and then the, then the start of the OTAs and the mini camps. Monday night coaching with Campo. Dave Campo here with us on Hacker After Dark. Coach, I'm going to throw a couple of names at you and you give me your thoughts moving forward. These are some unrestricted free agents that the Jaguars have to decide on pretty quick. Free agency begins on March 13th. The two biggest, we'll start with Evan Ingram. Yeah, uh, you know, looking at it from where we're looking at it, you know, and again, uh, obviously we don't know what the thinking is in the building, but he's a he's a, a got to have, in my opinion, because, you know, he's been a critical part of their offense right along here. He's He's lowered his drops. He's the problem is going to be, you know, from a free agent standpoint, do you franchise him? Do you try to get a long term deal? Uh, you know, he is getting up in age a little bit. I think that, you know, the, the, the bottom line might be if they can't work something out financially, I think they they would probably think about franchising him. He needs to be here. He, in my opinion, he has a great feeling with Trevor, and I think that's important. Coach, where are you with a guy like Arden Key, kind of a role player type, but certainly a guy that did very well this season? Well, I think Arden Key is one that you can get with a reasonable number, especially since he said he definitely wants to be here. Now, they probably all say that because they'd like to get a a nice raise. But, you know, to me, uh, he is a factor. Uh, you know, in my opinion, uh, when they when they finally started getting going after uh, uh, Walker got hurt, you know, he was played a lot more down the stretch. And, you know, they, they moved Walker inside some, kept him, out, you know, outside and brought him off the edge. I think he's a, a valuable member. Uh, but again, he's not – they have to take care of the core guys first. I would not call him a core guy, but I would call him a guy that they really need to consider bringing back at the right number. One of those potential core guys, perhaps, is Jawan Taylor, although it's going to be an interesting scenario with him, with what Walker Whittle did coming in for Cam Robinson. You get Cam Robinson back next year in theory. Do you move Walker Whittle to right and let Jawan Taylor walk? Is Jawan Taylor a guy that you want to bring back here. That's probably also one of the bigger questions that'll be answered over the next six weeks. Well, that's a two-part answer. Would you want him back? I would say yes, because I think the guy played better this year than he has at any time. Uh, and he's a, uh, a, a 
in my opinion, uh, a better than average right tackle. So, you know, if you get your two bookends back, that's great. But the problem is he played well enough in a contract year that now uh, there's other teams that are going to uh, be willing to, to, to pay him some money. And he's going to want the, uh, you know, pretty uh, more money he's making now for sure. And, and I'm not sure that they're going to be in a position for that. Walker Little is not a finished product. I think Walker Little did a good job. I think there were some mistakes even in this last ball game that, you know, he's got to clean up. And he's probably a better right tackle than he is a left tackle. So I think it really comes down to they they probably will let Jawan Taylor go uh, if they can't, you know, come close financially and and go with a little at right tackle and uh, Cam Robinson at left. And then they'll have to go get a swing tackle. Couple of more for former Dallas Cowboy head coach Dave Campo. It's always Monday night coaching with Campo here on Hacker After Dark. Coach, you're a defensive guy. Over these next three or four months prior to OTAs, what advice would you give to Trayvon Walker on what he needs to work on moving forward? Well, I think he's a one-trick pony. You know, he's he's got all the tools. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I really think they have to do some thinking on defense from the standpoint that, you know, it's nice that you can drop all, both all outside linebackers in the three, four and all that kind of stuff. He's not a drop guy and neither is Allen. So they're going to have to do some thinking. And if they decide to switch up a little bit on defense and play a little bit more four man line, I think that's where, uh, Trevor, uh, where, uh, Walker will, will really be a good player as a as a down defensive end or possibly even a three technique if he bulks up off the edge he's got athletic ability he he can get better let don't let get me wrong i mean i think he could be a pretty good outside rusher but he's nowhere near there right now he's he's either run around or he's a little bit late uh you know uh changing from from the run around and 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 moving inside that type of thing so you know to me i think there's going to be some thinking on defense as to where they play him to be honest with you and i'm just talking out loud here coach could they change up to a four three if you want your best players on the field where walker and allen are your defensive ends and then you would be able to put lloyd and muma on both sides of a Lewican in a three linebacker set well, you know this, I, I will say this, you know, in that ball game, now watching it more, you know, and sometimes it's a little hard when you're watching it on TV, uh, you know, on on real time to, to see which linebackers blitz in here or there, whether it's 23 or 33. And they did bring him up on the line, uh, Lloyd, and brought him off the edge and brought him more in this game. Than, than they have to this point. I don't think the linebacker core in general is really uh, smooth right now on all the uh, nuances of zone and man uh, at linebacker. But the one thing he can do, he did put some pressure on in the game. So I really could see maybe he be an outside rusher. So now I don't think you have to go to a pure 4-3 where both defensive ends are down. I think you can kick the front down on one side and have one stand-up guy and the other guy a linebacker like Lloyd or whatever on the other side. So, you know, there's a number of things they can do uh, and, and have Walker have his hand on the ground. 
Coach, as we begin to wrap up, and look, you and I will certainly be talking in the weeks ahead, but this will be the last primarily Jaguar uh, conversation you and I will have for the time being. When we reconvene in July, and we're out there at opening day at training camp, and you and I are talking, reminiscing about the 2022 season, what are the one or two things that you're going to remember most about this past year? Well, the first thing I'm going to remember is the resiliency, the toughness, the belief, the the confidence that this football team has shown. And to really go toe-to-toe in the last ball game is also a plus. So I think what we're going to see is I think we're going to see a rejuvenated football team. And that's what I'll remember more than anything else is the ability of this football team offensively to – uh, you know, play to the end and win close ball games, which they started out not doing. I think from a defensive standpoint, I think we're going to see a little bit different defensive uh, uh, situation. I, I think they improved during the course of the year, got better at the end. They were a little simpler, but I think they're going to have a much better feel for, you know, what their guys can do. And then hopefully we're going to see, a, a you know, we're going to remember who we had, and we're going to see new guys in certain positions going forward. And you said for the last few weeks, even while the Jaguars are on this run, this is nice, but you were always looking ahead to 2023. Absolutely. I think that, uh, you know, and, and really basically, Hack, it, it's just, you know, it's just my opinion because I lived through it. You know, the years in Dallas where we went 1-15, and 15, the next year 7-9, and nine, almost made the playoffs, the third year, we win the first round of the playoffs and get blown out in the second one, which te- this team did not in the divisional round. And then the next year, we won the Super Bowl because it, we just had a uh, the team had a better confidence, a better uh, you know outlook, and we did have a better schedule, a tougher schedule after the uh, playoff season number three. So they'll have a tough year next year, uh, you know, schedule wise. But you can't count what you you got to play who you got to play, and I think this team can beat anybody on any given day if they play the way they did towards the end of the season. Coach, final question: Who's going to the Super Bowl? What's a what's an early thought on Championship Sunday for you? Boy, that's a tough one. I'm I, I going to tell you right now. I think Cincinnati's going to beat Kansas City. I think Cincinnati's got a really good feel about themselves right now. Uh, Mahomes is going to have a tough time this week, in my opinion, to be himself. Uh, even though they've got a lot of firepower, I think Cincinnati's defense is better than Kansas City's. So I think they're going. On the other side of the ball, I really think Philadelphia's got the best team in the uh, NFC. So I think that's who you're going to see. I think you're going to see Philadelphia and Cincinnati in the Super Bowl. Head coach Dave Campo, Monday night coaching with Campo. Coach, always enjoy the conversation. Thank you very much. You and I will talk again very soon, and thank you for being uh, so gracious with your time all season long, my friend. Well, I've really appreciated being on since since I've been coming on pretty regularly, and uh, you know you know, I appreciate what you do as a journalist, and uh, I appreciate you letting me be part of it. Dave Campo, one of our favorites. Thank you, Coach. All right, Hack. Have a good one. And thank you to our head coach, Dave Campo, for joining us here tonight on Hacker After Dark as the Jaguar season does come to an end in the AFC Divisional Playoff. The Jaguars finish with a record of 10 wins and 9 losses. But my goodness, how exciting the future should be here 
with both Trevor Lawrence and head coach Doug Peterson. Well, that'll just about put a wrap on a Monday night edition of Hacker After Dark. Thank you guys for hanging out with us tonight. Again, Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com joined us. You heard from Mark Long of the Associated Press and a little Monday night coaching with our guy Dave Campo. All three guys, we certainly thank them for joining us here this evening. We'll be back tomorrow night. Are you kidding me? Our late night show on Tuesday. Where else would you rather be from 10 o'clock to midnight than right here with Dylan Denmark and yours truly on a Tuesday night edition of Hacker After Dark? And we hope that you join us then. Dylan Denmark was your producer tonight. Dylan, great job as always. I'm the hacker Ryan Green in Jacksonville. Thank you for spending part of your Monday evening with us right here on Hacker After Dark, on 1010XL, and on 92.5 FM. So for all of us here on HAD, have an absolutely terrific remainder of your Monday, and we will do it all over again on a Tuesday beginning at 10 o'clock. Until then, good night, Jacksonville.